You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, everybody. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Happy New Year to you. Is this the first one since the new year? It is, even though <laughs> last week we actually said Happy New Year also, but it truly so is. So it's not the first one since last year. Last year. It truly was well, the first one we did in 2018, this one. Is it? Yes, it's the 6th of <laughs> January today. Okay. And we do one every seven days. I was just looking at the last eight years worth of podcasts and they all kind of blended together. Didn't realize. Nice. So yeah. happy 2018, everybody. Happy, happy, well, you know, whatever the condition of your life is, if you want to make it better, make it better. Happy. And I was just thinking, someone just on the radio, you know, January 1st is, it. you realize you've just finished a whole year of your life. Well, every day you've just finished another year of your life. Because if you go back 365 days, that's a year. You know what I'm saying? So we have this funny thing where we mark it off with a date. Yeah. Even though time just... Doesn't give a shit. It just Actually, goes every on day on. you finish a day of your life. Correct. Every day you're closer to <laughs> One death. One day at a time. <laughs> Thank you. That's not a theme of this. It's not the theme of the movie, but it's fair to say there's some bleakness. I think some people could drag into it. So what was the before we were listening to the Killers Correct. new album? I'm the man. I love that song. The man. I really do. Cracks uh, me up. I flip back and forth now from disco tits or disco. As a word likes to say it, Tovalo says uh, disco tits, and then I go over to the man by the Killers. It's quite an interesting combination. I listen to all kinds of stuff. You do. My really? music source is you, so whatever you bring me, that's what I'm <laughs> listening to. <laughs> anyway, this is not a musical podcast. This is know. a movie review podcast, and it is Saturday, January the sixth, the weekend of. This is after the show number five hundred and twelve. The movie we're looking at this week is a movie entitled Mother, exclamation point, 2017 movie, released on Blu-ray December the 19th. You can pick it up now. It's rated R. It's probably ra- rated that for a good reason. Absolutely. Which we will and um, it is from Paramount, our friends over there, who provided us with a copy for review. So Sid Talk will give you the uh, synopsis. No, 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 no. Of Mother. There's no, synop- There's no synopsis <laughs> without... There isn't. Is there is from the director himself, and yet it's just—it's hard. It's a tough one. So, just be warned. I knew nothing about the movie, which I love. I love knowing nothing. I literally knew nothing, and I barely remembered that Jennifer Lawrence was in it when we were, started to watch it. So, that's where I start from, and I love that. I don't need any the- information. So, if you're like me, then don't listen to this because we're going to talk about the movie as always. Uh, they're not really spoilers necessarily, but it's about the movie. So the clue to Jennifer Lawrence being in the movie is the cover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if I keep, I don't look at that, and I keep forgetting. You know, when you tell me these things, you couldn't really miss that she's in it. <laughs> um, I just noticed on look at the look at the cover, and look like a uh, like where a chest would be, but it's cut off. What's that? Or what? Look like down. Yeah, where, you know what it is. Where it's yeah, but it's kind of. It's you wouldn't notice it ordinarily. Kind of like the movie. Yeah. All right. So, the movie Mother... So, no synopsis. <laughs> no synopsis. The synopsis is the new film by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. That's probably all you need to know. So... And just keep in mind my philosophy or my reaction to movies when I really, really like them. 
I have less to say. Is that a spoiler on your review, though? That's a spoiler because I end up with this, like, uh just don't. I like to process it and sort of, it's like art for me. I'm not a big art talker, but I love art and art history. I know a lot about it. I don't necessarily share that all the time because I think you should just experience it. So this is one of those movies. So whatever you say is going to jumpstart everything. There could be uh, spoilers. So mm-hmm. go and watch this movie and then <laughs> come back and you'll definitely want to hear some people talking about it, I'm assuming. So you've come back. You've, or you want to hear why we're nuts for liking it. You've heard the, You've watched the movie. You've come back. You're either um, horrified or you're in <laughs> awe of it. One of the two, probably. I, I don't think you. there's people in the middle on this movie. I think you will love or hate it. Oh. You didn't do your 10 seconds of silence. I did, yes. Hmm. I didn't do my clicking, but okay. Well, I did it. I said, I, well, this is not a discussion for the podcast. <laughs> That's At the beginning thought. of the podcast, we do 10 seconds of silence. And I said, when I'm doing the silence now. And Sid was quiet for 10 seconds, but she doesn't remember that that happened. No, I don't remember being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the, the goldfish memory. <laughs> what movie did we watch? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think Kristen Wiig was in it. Yeah. Was it Stepsisters or something like that? I don't know. All right. So the movie Mother. Um, so let's say... Mother with an exclamation point. So it's Mother. Yeah. You're going there's to... there's another movie called Mother. You're probably going to fall on one side of the track with this movie. You either was like, uh, what is this? Or you're... Like me and just enamored with the whole concept. Yeah. There's probably a third group who are like, oh, what a pretentious load of Oh, crap. I think it's semi-pretentious as well. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Just because I like a movie doesn't mean I can't see past the a director or a writer who's kind of up their own ass with a message of their own. However, it depends on how that's delivered that makes me go, ugh, versus because you don't like Spike Lee and his... Overt politicism. Yeah, but you don't mind his message or his agenda because it's about equality and freedom and all that. That you agree with. It's his style and his the way he delivers it that makes you like, oh, he's just up his own ass. So it depends on the person, I think, who's making it. Anyway, this movie, um, when I'd finished watching it, I it was one of those movies I had to go and see the trailer to see how this film was marketed. And if you did see the trailer to this movie, and you have no idea other than the trailer, what the trailer shows you is what the movie is, but it's a whole lot more than that, right? The, mm. tr- the trailer's kind of like, they try and sell it you. In fact, that movie, the um, other movie that Jennifer Lawrence was in that you mentioned earlier, The House at the End of the Street or whatever it's called, it almost tries to make it look like that movie. Yeah. Like, just a home invasion type uh, horror movie with some blood in a light bulb, that kind of thing. Kind of yeah. creepy and spooky. But what that trailer tries to sell you is not what the movie is. So I could imagine there'll be a lot of... There were a lot of people at the time in the cinema going, what did I come and see? This isn't what I signed up for. I like that. Because it's kind of like a backdoor of getting people to see something that ordinarily they wouldn't see. Correct. So I do, I do enjoy that kind of... Uh, Marketing. So the movie itself, how do we discuss it? What is it? What is this movie? <laughs> On the surface, when you uh, start to watch it, um, it is a movie of a couple in a house, kind of an idyllic setting with a nice old house. 
The uh, husband is a writer. You say nice old house, but you said it freaks you out. So it does, it's, but it's I mean, the way it's it's one of those fixer-upper houses that, you know, people aspire to get one, live away from people yeah. and fix it up. Essentially, it's a dude and his woman, and it's very obvious that he's having some creative difficulties. He's a writer. He's a writer, and already it seems pretentious because it's like, oh, give me a break. Another a creative person who's got a writer's writer. block. Poor him. Wah, wah, wah. You know what I mean? That's how I kind of started off. But it's got a little... They were right in the extras to say there's a little something... I even turned to you and said, there's something you did. weird, wrong. <laughs> it just feels a little off, like... It's, I mean, his movies are always up close and personal anyway. Right up in your face. You're always in the character's face. You're right. And the sounds are like super specific and really loud. Every creak and every brush of everything. You know, like if you pick up a cup, it's like. Yeah. You hear everything. And it felt ultra real. Like when you look at those paintings that are too photorealistic and you're like, it's right, but it's just. Too plastic. You mean or almost something. like the picture on the cover of this Blu-ray? Exactly. Yeah. It's realistic and yet it's modeled. Yeah. You know, so that's how it felt. And so you know something's kind of wrong, and then she has some pain in her belly or in her heart. You know, she's kind of like, oh, every it, once it, in a it while. It seems like an ordinary thing is happening, but it there's an off kilter kind of yeah idea to it. But it just seems like at first, oh well, it's just here's a house, here's two people. Having some troubles, they're trying to get on with shit, and then seems a bit creepy. And then (laughs) all I can describe this movie as, for me anyway, is like an anxiety attack that's coming on, and it's it it's builds like like at first it feels like this is how I felt. A person turns up in the uh, the house door, and the husband lets him in. And the next thing, he's a guest. Yeah, it's very unsettling. Very yeah, you unsettling. Know, and, and, and you're her, really, and, and, and as an audience. You're like, why is that person over there? What, what, I feel like my, my life is being taken out of control all of a sudden. Yep. Everything around me, I cannot control it. And that's how it felt. Instantly. Yeah, like just instantly. It was terrible. So I always felt, uh, the entire movie, I felt like I'm having a dream... Because it actually has this dream feeling to it where it, it doesn't quite line up with real life. Um, I'm having this dream that people are coming into my house and they're just making themselves at home and I have no idea who they are. And it's just giving me a, a weird anxiety panic attack all the time. Like, who is this person in my kitchen? Why is there a man over there asleep? It's like, ugh. And it just gets worse and worse. It's a whole gloom. It's a doom and gloom kind of thing. The entire time, isn't it? Does. It does. feels uh, like pressure and like invasion. It's not, you know, like relaxing in any way. I was always on edge. <laughs> not relaxing, no. You know, like when you sit it's down terrible. to watch like Chips, that, that movie with, with Dax in it. And you're like, oh, this is just fun, isn't it? You know, just sit back, have a laugh. You know, there's nothing. <laughs> That's e- funny that you'd compare those. Well, it's like as far away as possible. Yeah. Nothing will challenge me. I might have a couple of laughs and that's it. And then I'll move on with my day. And then tomorrow, I won't even remember I watched Chips. That is how that goes. Now, this is just like an experience of... You just feel like you're having like a mental breakdown, I think, in the middle of the movie. Like she is. You feel like her. Absolutely. I said to you, like, oh, a a character appears in the middle of the movie. And I said to you, oh, that's that guy from Get Out. From the movie Get Out that we watched. 
And then I thought, I wish you would all fucking get out of here. Like, all of you. Why, why are you even in here? Like, there's all these people just hanging around. Like, it is. It's just, it's, it just, it gives you the feeling that he wants to give you. And that is what I really appreciated. Neither of us are super social, right? So we don't know fully what the movie's about as it starts. You don't really know where it's going or anything. But the vibe was definitely when people come around. Now, I was raised where people would show up at any time. I had older siblings, so people would show up at the house any time, just walk in the door. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who still live that way. I don't know how I would feel about that. I'd feel like, uh, my space, my territory, you know, get out. And that, this movie kind of makes you feel like, <sighs> Yeah. If you're the type of person who likes, doesn't like a, a crowd of people around <laughs> you that are uncontrolled, it's not in your control. They're just here. Here's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It feels it's, awful. It's bad news if you feel that way. So, you're thinking, why are a bunch of people turning up? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Actually. Because people just keep turning up. It kind of keeps getting more and more. And people come in and people come in. And she's trying to fix the house up. And people are ruining the house. And the writer's trying to do some writing. But he's getting distracted by this old guy who's turned up. And everything is going to shit, really. And then, when you think... Oh, well, I figured this out. This is what it is, right? People keep showing up and there's no control going on. Then it just kind of it starts to go slowly over to this other part of this movie, which is more of a, like a Darren Aronofsky, um, like a <laughs> tale, like a... I, these, there's these other stories in life that you've probably heard before, and this is kind of my version of them. And maybe they'll respect the subject matter originally, or maybe they will shit on it, or whatever. But you got you have to go with it, like because it's going to get a bit surreal, and it's going to get a bit gross. And what else is it going to get? A bit uncomfortable. Just, just looming, like the whole thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like challenging. Is another good word. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who don't even understand what is happening. I'm assuming at some points, like what. I don't understand what is what this has to do with that. Because it does get a bit mad. You've got to admit, right? Uh, yeah. Like, uh, well, it's challenging. You, you're challenged visually and sort of emotionally, but mostly just it's coming all at you. And like you said, an anxiety attack, it feels like that's what an anxiety attack would feel like. This overwhelming sense of intrusion and then chaos and your interpretation of what's going on is a bit dis... Because what we see isn't what's happening necessarily. So that's another element. You know, you, you have to let yourself go and accept that this is an interpretive thing sometimes. Yeah. Kind of. Sort of. Like Black Swan, one of his other films. Yes. On the surface, it's this movie about ballet dancing. Yes, yeah, rooted in a real thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... But then it gets really weird, like... Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you're not quite sure why it's weird at that time. You're like, I don't... Is this a hallucination? Is this a dream? Is this what? It's just... It might be Darren Aronofsky just giving you a... Do you know this other story, you know, about something? Well, this is... It. This is. There's other bits of other things in the here. Yeah. And it, let's say it's not a big secret. Well, it is a big secret if you've not seen the film, but hopefully you all have seen it and come back. It focus. It has a lot of stuff about 
faith and the Bible. And Do people talk about that part? Because I didn't know anything about it. I mean, uh, is that thing people would have talked about? When you go and... After we watched the movie, I went and had a look at some professional, quote marks, reviews. <laughs> yeah. And almost all of them say, oh, this is... There's a lot of bad reviews on this movie where they I don't can, like it. I can understand they say that. It's, it's, they say it's just some crappy, um, uh, blatant Bible story wrapped in a different package, and there's no point to it. That's and that's a lot of the. He doesn't seem to disagree with that. So right. So yeah, it is. There's a lot of religious iconography and religious um, story really in here. I mean, his last movie was Noah. That one was a bit more about... And Noah probably upset people who went into that movie to see Noah, though, as well, right? Because yeah. that is not the story of Noah as we know it. There was bloody monsters made out of rock, remember, that walked around. Yeah. and It was a very different take on a Noah story. So I bet that upset a lot of people, too. But this is like the Bible story, really. But in a really effed... Not the whole Bible story. Not the, Bible the whole. Is very big. I mean... It covers a few things. A Adam couple and, of the most Adam standard stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, God and the birth of Jesus. Those kind of things. But not in a clear-cut way that you would think. You're not going to see the passion of the Christ or something <laughs> like that. You, In fact, some people could probably walk away from it without taking any of that religious stuff. You could. Kinda, I don't know about that. If you look on the surface of it and just don't even dig. I don't think so. I think that if, if you're aware at all of any religion, of any Christianity, we'll say not just religions, but specifically Christianity, uh, you're going to recognize a lot of the iconography and you can't help it. Like, yeah. You can't deny it and go, oh, it's not about that. I mean, you're just going to. Even if you had your doubts, like, even if you were just like, is it just me looking into this a bit too hard? What When it gets to the last act, it's quite clear that there's a lot of Bible shit going on all of a sudden. It gets it gets really heavy with it all towards the end. In in the beginning, you might notice a few things. Like I said to you, is this some religious thing? I said I actually said to you, didn't I? I can't remember yeah. what it was I saw, but I said, oh, it was like it, the first twenty minutes. You're like, I feel a religious thing coming on. <laughs> yeah, it was something I saw. I can't remember what it was. I was like, oh, hold on. Well, her hair always had that sort of like Madonna in the old paintings kind of vibe. Yes, it did, and she kind of had a almost like an ethereal kind of yeah around her. Like it, the way the camera captures her, captures her, it's kind of soft, and yeah. she's kind of she's uh, idolized. Like it's like the camera loves Jennifer Lawrence here, uh, or the director in this case, actually. But um. Yeah, so it goes into all this stuff. Almost as if, as long as she stays pretty and perfect and does all the stuff just right, that her man or the man, i.e. men, will will be fine with her. But as soon as she starts questioning things and starting to go like, what is going on and stop doing what you're doing, then there becomes a problem. I like, I like the way Javier Bardem, who plays a husband... Uh, she starts to ask questions and like, why is this man here? Why is and he always has an answer, but it's never an answer. Exactly, it's just like fobbing her off. It's like you go and make some tea, or just go and do this over there, or you know, it's like it's it's the it's the like yeah, you just 
I need you for a specific thing, and it's not particularly right now. Correct. <laughs> now I need to talk to this old yeah, guy. Yeah, you're nothing, actually. Yeah. So, so just... go over there yeah. and paint the wall or something. Like, it's real, it's real, like, he blows her off, basically, all the time. Like, <laughs> he's not very respectful to her. Correct. Now, that's where people, religious people, of especially, might have a problem with this film, because it does not treat that story the way you are used to it. It treats it more realistically, I think, if you were to tell that story. What story are you talking about? The story in the Bible of um, how God God and Mary and... That's not just one story, though. No, I'm saying um, the stories you know from the Bible. Right. It, it treats them in a more realistic way, like, instead As of if. it being all, like, Oh yeah, you know it's more like no. This is just a guy. He treats people a particular way, tells them what they want to hear. You know, more like he wants people to give him that. Knows exactly what to do to make the people do what he wants to do. In fact, there was a big telling moment for me. I really liked this moment. He'd finished his manuscript, and then the book. Uh, all the people outside were like holding copies of the book, and they wanted him to sign it. And she says something to him, and he says, "Oh, it's it's going down really well. Everybody sees it how they want to see it." Yeah, exactly. It's got a different meaning for all of them. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> that book, you know." So it's it's interesting because I'm not a religious person. I was brought up Roman Catholic, so I have a unique position, as in I know religion. <laughs> I just don't follow it, so. I guess I had the education of religion, but I don't follow it. You know, I don't, I don't believe what it is. And you weren't. No. No, you weren't in like a Catholic school or anything. Oh, God, no. And, you know, we'd be lucky, not lucky, but I mean, if my mother would always say or has said, you know, I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to drag my four kids and my husband. And I've got a house to clean. I've got shit to do. And so, you know. There was never really a thing. It wasn't like Christmas was about baby Jesus and Easter wasn't about baby Jesus. I mean, yes, it. I'd go to Sunday school sometimes, end up going to church with some family members. And so in little Sunday school, you'd get a coloring page, like out of a coloring book, of Jesus on the, on the cross. Nice. Color, I know. <laughs> You're supposed to color it. And I always was like, I just want the Easter egg. I hope like you a pretty Easter egg that I can draw my own design on, and an Easter bunny that I can color purple or whatever. I hope Why you, am I drawing a picture of a dead guy on a cross? Like, it's never been a thing, and I'm I'm cool with that. It's not a, So I like to look at things very objectively, and I didn't see every reference necessarily because I started thinking, you know what, if all of religious stories came from all religions... Stories, as in plural possessive, all of the religions have stories. If they all came from a moment in time and an event and of humans living and then someone observing it and someone who had either a wild interpretation or maybe a mental problem or emotional reinterpretation of a thing and then they write it down and then it gets retold and retold that this is kind of where you would have a starting point of just people, even though he... Aronofsky says very specifically this is God and she is Mother Earth, right? Um, she's not Mary, but 
if it was just people and you're watching something happen, then you might write it down and then religions sort of can spring from that. Sorry if anyone's offended by that. I mean, not really sorry, but that's just how I look at it. This is like, yeah, because if you really bring it all back to real life, any of it, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Muslim, all of it, take all those stories and just put it in real life, real, real life. Like you doing laundry and cooking supper and going to work and fixing the car. And on top of it, this layer of magic and mysticism and miracles and all that other shit. You'd start seeing it for what it is. And that's what this does for me. It's like it mixes that weird, like you said, it's kind of dreamy and it's off and then it gets really weird. And it actually does have a laundry scene. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> Where you're just seeing somebody. I wonder what that, that had to be symbolism of some kind. Pulling right? the wet laundry out, I thought, was something. But I couldn't <laughs> yeah, quite figure I, it. Well, I mean, I don't know. But going into somebody's house and taking their wet laundry out of their washer and throwing it on the floor is something to me. I don't know if it's religious, but I was like, oh, she's like the worst house guest you could ever imagine. She you, messes up your kitchen. She throws your laundry on the floor. Ugh, you what a you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, the worst. Michelle Pfeiffer and Ed Harris. I was like, these are shitty people to have in your house. And then she, go, and then she finally blows a top because they break something. And she says to them, Get out of my house. And they go down the stairs. And she follows... She goes down the stairs. And she's like, have they left? And she opens this door. And they're having sex. I know. Like, they're getting like, off on it. Oh, yeah. These guys are awesome. <laughs> oh, did you realize... You just realized... I just... That... Did you just... Did you realize that... As soon as they did that, then the sun showed up. Yeah, I did, yeah. Because... Mm. And also, um, there, there, is a, there is a scene that I didn't... I didn't get it at the time, but it's quite clear. Yeah. I won't explain it, but no. there's a scene where Ed Harris is in the toilet and yeah. he's got a wound. Well, don't, if you're not telling it, don't tell it. I'm not telling don't you Don't even what. hint at it. I'm just it. telling you that there's a wound. Okay, well, don't hint at it even if you're not going to do it. Really? Also, he stops coughing, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I said he stopped dying after yeah. that. So, yeah, there are very... Uh, it's very... <sighs> if you think about it afterwards, there's a lot of very clear things that you might not get at the time because you're... It, the way it portrays itself is you're in this other film that's like a kind of a home invasion thing. Oh, absolutely. And it's not anything else more than that at first. They don't actually play it like that. For the, I'd say for the first 45 minutes, before it starts to get a bit odd, It's re you wouldn't have any inkling that something like that is happening in this movie. Mm -mm. It just seems more like, well, this is weird... Hold on, that basement seems a bit weird. I, this is this was my thing. Well, that basement seems a bit weird, because that doesn't happen in real life. Is this like, is it is the <laughs> devil or something down there? Is it is it like an Evil Dead movie? You what know? doesn't happen in real life? That glowing uh, wall that she looks at. Hmm. In the basement. Blowing wall. Glowing. It's got like a red kind of glow about it. The blood dripping down. Well, there's that too, but there's also like a glow that also that crystal also has that similar kind of glow. I don't remember any glow on the wall. Yeah, it was just kind in of, the fireplace. Was, I mean, in just the before the blood drips down. Mm. But still, when you go in the basement, it's really creepy, and then some blood drips down, and a light bulb <laughs> fills with blood. I was like, "Is this the Evil Dead? Is this that kind of thing? Is there going to be a creature come up?" Oh yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That's how, that's kind of how it's trying to sell itself at that point. So. But, like I say, the last, uh, Darren Aronofsky says in that interview, 
the exclamation point after the word mother uh, in the title refers to the last 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. So, you know, it it turns from, hmm, I kind of think I know what this is. I've seen a movie like this before, to, oh my God, what what is (laughs) this? What the hell is this movie? Yeah, this is the part In a good way for me. Yeah, in a good way for me too, because it really doesn't hold back. What's funny is we had just talked about, um, um, what's it called? Twin Peaks. Yeah. And how I really, really like that every time you sit down to watch an episode, you just don't know what the hell is going to happen. You just don't, it's, there's no, like, hint, there's no, you just don't know. Like the X-Files. Or, and I love that. Or Designated Survivor. You kind of can, you can. Kind when it of. starts, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Yes. Every week. God, yeah. Twin Peaks, no way, right? No way. Never. Correct. In fact, Twin Peaks is one of the commercials before this movie, and it is perfectly placed. Oh, yeah. You know? Because it, if you like something a bit off-kilter, there's another thing. So um, let's go into some of the stuff that happens near the end. We're, we're, we are spoiling. We've gone into spoilers. Um, was it too much for you? No. Do you think it'd be too much for some audiences? Uh, sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're a big baby. <laughs> I mean, it's just a... It's if you a sat your mother down to watch this, what would you think? Oh, I think she'd be... really like it. What I think she'd be like, oh, shit. Um, I think she would mostly get it and appreciate the weirdness and definitely get the message. I mean, she's not an idiot. She... She does like happy endings, but this isn't a very happy ending. <laughs> but I think that because it's done in a way that makes you just go, oh, God. And it really digs deep, you know, like, I think she would like it. Yeah. And understand it. Yeah. The, the she's, lo- not, she's, she's just an older lady. It's not like she's never had an intellectual thought in her mind. It all builds, like, this movie is a real, like, masterclass in building on top, like, is an, is an uncomfortable thing. It's two uncomfortable things. It's getting more, it's getting more, it's getting more. Oh, God, there's people in my bedroom, what the hell's going on? Uh. Oh, yes, all of it's just, it's overwhelming and it's just... And then it hits this, it hits this point, I would say, there's 30 minutes left in the film, where it just goes batshit crazy, and all the uncomfortableness almost disappeared for me at that point. Because it, I was like, these people aren't going away anyway. There's more and more and more of them. Now I'm, I just want to see what happens in here. Yeah, and you kind of give over to the to what's happening. Yeah, like you're almost like I am. I've been worn down by these people all around, and you know you won't get out of it. And now there's so many people you can barely move, and it's just. You know, what, what's happening now? And then it went into the, you know, it kind of gets a bit surreal. Kind of. It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, things happen in this house that wouldn't happen in an ordinary house. And uh, it just goes crazy and also gets a bit bloody and a bit kind of, I would say, up its own ass towards the a end. A little bit, because the message is very strong. Yeah. The idea is... The subtlety is gone <laughs> at the end. When was it subtle? <laughs> Point out the time when it was subtle. I don't. I'd say the recall. first the first thirty minutes. It, it's kind of subtle with its message. Mm. Yeah. Then when the message 
starts to become clear, it gets more and more forced into you, into you, like. Yeah. I think almost to the point where I was like, okay, he wants me to, by the end of this, I need to understand what this was about. I don't need to be in I this. I need to be on board. Yeah, I don't need to be in the David Lynch zone where I'm like, okay, David, I like that, but I didn't know what it was, like episode seven of Twin Peaks, <laughs> um, the new season, where it's like, I have to go back and watch that again and think about it. No, I think you'll be on board by the end of it. And I think that was his plan. I don't know, because I was still a bit like, oh, what exactly are you trying to say here? I mean, I was never fully clear, which is what I liked. But you had, by the time the credits roll, you kind of got the vibe of what was what he was looking at. I don't know. I still was thinking, I'm not going to know because I'm not in his head. Right. Which is what I liked. I didn't. I didn't need to figure it out fully. It wasn't like, oh, that's it. I like it. It was um, more like, oh, I feel like I'm headed in the right direction. Darren Aronofsky is one of those guys who, like, he, like some filmmakers won't talk about the plots of the movies or about what anything is about or whatever. Darren Aronofsky doesn't care. He just He's pretty open. Yeah, I like that. Where somebody like Paul Thomas Anderson or David Lynch even, they don't discuss their art. Their art is there. You make of it what it is. You don't need somebody to talk about it, but Darren Aronofsky seems to be open to just telling you about it and what he was thinking, which, you know, there's something to be said for that. But oh, yeah. You can I love it. Yeah. So, because you said when, when I turned the extras on, there's actually a really cool extra on this, a 30-minute documentary. You said, oh, is he one of those directors who doesn't talk about anything? Yeah. Is he and like Mal- Malik? The first person who shows up is him <laughs> just talking about it. So it, it, it really worked. <laughs> to listen to what he was saying. So, um, yeah, this is really a fucked up movie. (laughs) Like I said, uh, I was reading about trivia about this movie. A lot of the movie studios turned it down because it was too... Yeah, but you're you're really focusing on the one thing. Yeah. All right, that's only one one thing. It doesn't make the whole movie There's a thing in this movie that is objectionable to uh, some people. Sure, but it's not any more objectionable than when we watched uh, Human Centipede and the baby falls on the floorboard. No, but I'm really glad that, like, a major... And all of Human Centipede is fucked up. Yeah, but a major studio never picked that up. I know, what I'm saying is that one thing doesn't make this movie fucked up. If you had taken out that one bit and just implied it, it would even lessen your, like, revulsion to it. (laughs) You know, somewhat. But we get to see the grossness, which is like... I mean, I didn't... I didn't... It, it wasn't super shocking to me. I don't no. admit what that says about me as a person. I've seen a lot of things. Movies. You have not seen anything like that in real life. No, I've never... Uh, no. <laughs> I, no. No. I've not been to a, a no. one of those parties. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm kind of immune to like stuff in movies. Yeah, it takes quite a lot to make me cringe or go, oh, God, like that. In fact... The thing that makes me go, ugh, is just a real-life operation, like a heart transplant or something. I can watch it in a movie. Somebody's head head gets blown off in a movie. It doesn't even register with me, really. Apart from I might go, ooh, that was a good special effect. Like, it looked really real. But, you know... So you're a reality denier. (laughs) (laughs) You like fakeness instead of reality. So, um... Fair enough. Yeah, this movie, uh, you know, Paramount... It didn't do particularly well, interestingly enough, because Darren Aronofsky movies usually do. Black Swan was a big hit. Um, I'm wondering if this will show up at the Academy Award nominees and stuff, because technically it's a very well-made film, right? I mean, Tree of Life did. 
And yeah. it's pretty out there as well. You know, it's got that, not I mean, the same message or vibe, but where it's a challenge as a person just sitting and soaking up a story or a yeah. an idea being thrown at you. And Darren Aronofsky, the um, Academy and the Golden Gloves, they like him because he's been nominated quite a bit. Um, but is this one too far for them, you know? Is it? I mean, it's a, it's a, I, I definitely like Black Swan. It's a piece of art. Absolutely. It's made differently to other things. There's a different voice behind it. There's a, it's very different. You, you won't, like he said, I want people to come out of my film and remember it. <laughs> I don't want them to like, just forget it within yeah. 10 seconds, like chips. I want them he to. He didn't use chips as an example. I did. Only, use only chips you are using Because chips. I used it earlier. Um, <laughs> Why do you keep picking on chips? Because that one's pretty unmemorable, right? Um, or if it was unmemorable, I wouldn't be able to remember it, would it? But um, correct, you keep remembering chips. You know that so. one with a, uh, you know which one I mean, Reese Witherspoon and that lady from. Oh God, that was just bad. What was that called? See, <laughs> see, can't remember. Yeah, hot pursuit. Hot pursuit. Ooh. Something like that. Where you literally Is that Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I think oh so. Oh my god. Where it falls out of your brain really quickly. I can I could say in ten years I'll say to you, Do you remember mother? And you'll be like, Oh god. Because it will stick with you because it is I'll say oh god because I really I liked it a yeah, lot. You won't say oh god it. because of what it was about. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um I enjoyed it a lot. Enjoyed is a weird word, but it I really did. Yeah, so did I. But I you know, I am I have a proclivity for Fucked up movies. I always have. It isn't that. It isn't that fucked up. It's just. Yeah, up. but it's it's definitely away from the crowd. It's not. Yeah. You know, I mean, irreversible. I was. Just it's gonna not say. irreversible. It's not irreversible. Is it also like an artistic movie that is? And Human Centipede is up. fully effed up. Yeah. There is no like. Oh, but that's kind of no. It's a hundred percent effed up from start to finish. Every single one of them. Yeah. All of it, because he wants to be shocking and weird and effed up. Yes. He doesn't have a message. <laughs> he doesn't have a moral tale of any kind. He's just being, like, <gasps> shocking for the art of it. If you interpret it your own way, but... Yeah. But that this... is. This is just art. And art, you know, they've just banned... In actual schools, they've banned an art teacher from showing students pictures, pictures of the Statue of David, because he's naked. Really? Now but, that is like, that's just, so someone's interpreting that piece of art as vulgar, pornographic, and the story that goes with it, but then you're like, yeah, but David is the David from the thing, but whatever. Now, yeah, so. So art can, can challenge people on all different kinds of levels. Before we get onto the cast, I'd like to say I love that a big studio like Paramount would back a movie like this, because it is... It's a risk financially, I would say. Mm -hmm. And even with a big name director and star attached, word of mouth can kill something quickly, right? And especially word of mouth from people of the cloth, etc. So I'm, I'm really glad. I, I love that somebody like a big studio would put out something that's a bit not what you would normally see. So um, <clears throat> moving on to the cast, Jennifer Lawrence plays Mother. What did you think of her? She was... Better in this than I... I've never seen Winter's Bone, so I don't know how she was in that. Yeah, that's kind of where she hit 
American Hustle she was great in. She was, but not like this. This, I, and you were right, there's a lot of looking and expressions, but there's just a lot of transmitting the exact right emotion at the exact right weird time. I thought she was really good. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Um, actually, when you buy this Blu-ray and you watch the extra documentary that's on there, get to see a lot of the process of making this movie and it didn't it, it's a lot of crawling around and like getting yeah. really close to people and it seems very intimate what was going on there you know and kind of hardcore a little bit like definitely like intense because <laughs> the acting parts are super intense now Jennifer Lawrence you know she's super famous for big blockbuster movies like the Hunger Games or Passengers but this is more of a sink your teeth into it you know, art piece. American Hustle was a different role for her, like a very dramatic role, but I actually think this is a very good performance. Like, you have to really have something about you, don't you, to do it? Like, you, it's... To transmit fear and confusion in a way that isn't like... <gasps> like when you imagine the ladies from the 30s in their very black eye-lined eyes and putting their hands up to their face, like dastardly's coming for them you know what i mean like yeah. that's like your extreme like <gasps> yeah and you can even hear it in radio shows i listen to old classic radio where they, shows where but they put their is, hands on the brow and go <laughs> yeah like you put your hands up and then you open your eyes really <laughs> wide like oh like he's coming for me and then they shine the light right on their eyeballs you know it's not i think it's i think it would be tricky even though this is just play acting this isn't like genius work here i don't think i'm not being dismissive but to dig into your own self and be able to hold it back a bit when, in fact, when you find out, when you come to realize who she is, what she is, it's terrifying for her. All of it, right? Yeah. This, what she symbolizes. Yeah. And I feel like she did it just right. That was, I wasn't, never thought it was hokey or like, you know, I thought it was really good. Javier Bardem plays him. See, most of the people in this movie don't have real names. Right. Um, he was creepy. He was creepy. And who he, who he is, <laughs> you know, that's where you're like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm sure people... He's never have, addressed in the movie. No, but I'm sure people have a specific uh, idea of what that person is to them. But Javier in this... Well, it could simply just represent men. So you could take this as a movie that's about women... In, in that men. way, in that way, if he did, just he just take represents it as men. all men. Yeah, then then he's not creepy at all. He's, he's actually what I think of a lot of men: <laughs> dismissive, selfish, selfish. This is how they're portraying this person: self-absorbed, selfish, egomaniac, definitely self-centric personality, domineering, totally dismissive. Like you said, obsessed with being loved and wanted and appreciated, condescending and moody. Yeah. You know, if it's not going their way, then they throw a fit like a big baby. That's the person they're representing. And unfortunately, in my life, I've known a lot of male persons like this. And then the figure that they, he actually is tells a lot about where the story comes from. What Javier did really well in this, for me, is when he put, when he is being himself in this and he's being um, kind of like, uh, you just go over there, I'm doing something with this guy. Being that guy, he has this smirk that is like, you just want to punch the smirk off his face. Yeah, he's like patting you on the head. Yeah, it's yeah. just that, that smirk that comes on his face. It's like the, 
oh, okay, love, you go and make them a glass of wine and uh, we'll just go and do this. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Ed Harris plays man. He's a man who turns up, Ed Harris. The invention of man. I do like Ed Harris. He's all right. He could have been anybody. I'm not dismissing him either, but I mean, come on. You know, you know what? When he turned up, I was like, whoa, I didn't know Ed. (laughs) I I didn't know who was in this movie, but I was like, that's the last person I thought was going to come to this door. Why is Ed Harris here? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I liked what he did. It was Um, suitably weird. A little weird. And again, he's very, he's a lot the same all the time. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer plays woman. And Michelle Pfeiffer, I I swear she's just been locked away for 20 years. I haven't never <laughs> seen like her. In like an anti-aging chamber. <laughs> yeah, and, and there she is again. And she was really good. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm neutral on Michelle Pfeiffer most of the time, but in this, I was like, wow, she does every one of those looks oh, yeah, and her she's... mannerisms exactly as you go through the story and you realize who's what and... You know, kind of the dynamic. You're like, oh, she's suitably bitchy. A very spiteful edge to her. Yeah, and very, like, confronting. You just feel like she's ugh, she's too much. And I'm confronting. I'm bitchy and snotty, so I can identify it from a mile away. And this character, she did it beautifully. And yeah, I, I seriously feel like I haven't seen Michelle Pfeiffer since Batman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't think it's been that long. And then I was like, there's Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I've not seen her for so long, but... She still looks the same. Kind of plastic surgery a little bit, I guess. I don't know. But Maybe she a little collagen, but I don't think still looks all right. Well, <laughs> she, I don't think that's a measure of who she is. But yeah, she, she look, just looks like she hasn't aged yeah, much. That, yeah, because like, you know, sometimes when you've not seen an actress or an actor for like a long time and they turn up and you're like, is that such a person? I don't really, can't really tell if it's is that really them. But she is, she's really good in it. And, uh. She really creeped me out, actually. <laughs> in that laundry scene that we were talking about, yep. the questions she was asking, and Jennifer Lawrence did a really good job of like looking very uncomfortable, like, why are you... I don't know you. What, yeah. what is this you're asking me? That was good. Uh, we Dom, all know. We all know that woman. Yeah. We all know somebody well, like that. Dom Hall Gleason plays the oldest son, and Brian Gleason, his brother, plays the younger brother. Now, these are two other... The, the mother... I mean, the sons of him and man. No, of man and woman, <laughs> the sons of them, who turn up with some kind of a, uh, you know... Squabble. Squabble going on. Now, you'll know Dom Hall. He's from uh, Star Wars. <laughs> he's, also yes. f- he's also from About Time. Star Wars Time. with shorter hair. Yeah. Um, and and was brother. he in an episode of Black Mirror? He was in an episode of Black Mirror, yes. Um, I like him a lot. He was also in Ex Machina. Correct. Um, Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And he turned up here, and those two were excellent, I thought. Something was going on. Well, I mean, they, they went into a good fight scene. They definitely. Did. And it felt like, I mean, they are two real brothers, but it felt like one of those fight scenes where you the barriers of two actors working together is down. Like, yeah, and that's why, isn't it? Because, because they, we've already had a fight together, probably, at yeah. some point. <laughs> but yeah, it felt like the two people actually having a real fight like intense and intimate so yeah i thought it was pretty cool and then lastly i put down Kristen wig who turns up in here as the herald what did oh. you think what did you think of Kristen wig the herald yeah because name she's was, his publisher she was his publisher so what's that in the world this the person who brings the word to everybody yes okay and she's very defensive of 
him, but very dismissive of our female character. Yeah, she's, what did she say to uh, Why are you hiding? Where are you hiding? All the time, but she wants to really call you out. Oh, I've always wanted to see the woman behind us all. Like she's a little bit resentful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, she was good. I mean, she didn't have a lot to do. And she wasn't being funny. No, because you know of who she is and how she is. Yeah. That takes a little bit of the edge off her character to be... But then she's brutal and horrible as well, so I thought she was fine. I liked her. She yeah. brought a little, because of who she is and how she does do her things. You know, she does that with a smile and a giggle and a little bit of like, hmm, but I thought it was just right. Yeah, I like her a lot, always. So um, I give her two points. <laughs> out of two, two out of two points for her performance. Two out of two? Yeah. yeah nice. Darren Aronofsky is the director here, as we mentioned earlier. He played did uh, Noah, Black Swan, The Wrestler, Requiem for a Dream, Pi. Have I missed any? Pi. Um, he is a, I think he's a prolific filmmaker, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He is somebody, when I hear that he's got a new film coming out, I my ears prick up. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'd like to see another film by that guy, because you don't probably, know what expect. it's probably going to be intense. Because they always are, right? So, um, yeah, I really like him as a director. Um, he, you know, he doesn't follow the status quo, let's say. He doesn't make Hot Pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> so you're picking on chips and Hot Pursuit. I'd Charming. like to see, like, a version of Hot Pursuit, the Darren Aronofsky version <laughs> of that kind of movie. <laughs> you never know. Darren Aronofsky, Aronofsky might sit and watch Hot Pursuit and be like, that's the funniest damn movie. Why can't I make a movie like that? Yeah, like, maybe. I'm too hardcore. I'm too heavy. Yeah. I think too much. Yeah, totally. I like him as a director. I really like to see what he does, and I would like to see his Curiously, next Seriously, I would like to hear of someone like Kevin Smith, what he thinks of a movie like this. Yeah, I haven't actually. I Yeah. It was like mind-blowing to him. I don't know. Or does he just think... Because he's very clever and he thinks a lot and he can be political and he has his views and yet his movies are like, other than Chasing Amy, are a little bit vapid. You know what I mean? They're insightful, but in a sort of... I mean, even Chasing Amy is fairly vapid, aside from the love story. But it's well told. The story is right. It feels like a real story about real people and it's done kind of gutsy and honestly and I like that. So, um... My recommendation, no. <laughs> Conclusion on uh, Mother, exclamation point. You mean Mother? Mother! I loved it. Yeah, I did I don't too. have a conclusion. I say watch it, but don't watch it with children or anyone who has a low level of maturity because they will ruin it for you. If you want to just watch it alone, get a glass of wine or a bottle of sherry or whatever it is that calms your nerves. Settle in and just watch it. Don't judge it. And then when it's over, then you can be like, that was a pile of shit, or, hmm. Or, you might have some things to think about. Correct. Uh, It's that kind of movie. I do feel like there'll be a lot of people who are like, what is this horse shit? I watched it, it's the worst two hours of my life. And there's the other people who are like, wow, that is pretty well put together. And while not super clever in its message, is probably... The, you've never seen that thing. It's a conversation starter. Yeah, you've never seen it told in that kind of way. So, um, yeah, thank you to Paramount for the Blu-ray. And I recommend it. I but, recommend that some people watch it. I don't know about who, but some of you will enjoy it. 
true. And some of you will hate it. It's that kind of movie. (laughs) Ta-da! So if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. You can win a copy of Friend Request or Home Again. Just go to aschoolie.com and try and win. Next week's Blu-ray review will be The Mountain Between Us, starring Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. So we'll be looking at that next week. Movie recommendations based on Mother... I am going with two Aronofsky movies. And these are my two favourites, actually, by him. Number one is Black Swan. That's actually my actual favourite Aronofsky movie. Oh, The Wrestler was another one that he did. The Wrestler's pretty good. Yeah. And Requiem for a Dream is my second favourite of his. Now, if you want a movie that makes you feel bad, (laughs) Requiem for a Dream is it. You (laughs) you, will be depressed. There is a question. If you want a movie (laughs) to make you feel bad. If you are so happy it's getting on your nerves (laughs) and you want to be a bit depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Watch Recommend for a Dream. And or maybe will... if your happiness annoys other people, they yeah. might if they recommend this movie to you, it's because they want to knock you down a peg. Because that movie is so gloomy and so depressing, <laughs> you, will, you will feel, like, bad. Oh, my God, that's funny. Do not watch it if you are depressed already. Because, man. Yeah, it's hardcore. I think maybe that's what Aronofsky does the best. He can instill what he wants you to feel, you will feel while you watch it. Because Requiem for a Dream has that depression feeling of somebody who's taking prescription drugs or and it's just ruining them. Yeah. And Black Swan has that thing of somebody who's very driven in a profession and it's not going exactly how it's supposed to. So it's kind of ruining it for them. And this has that feeling of anxiety all the time. So I think it's very good at instilling what he wants in you so uh what are your recommendations mine are the other mother called mother without an exclamation point and that is um miss carrie fisher's mother who sadly died a week the same week that carrie fisher passed away debbie reynolds and albert brooks from 1996 it's a different kind of mother telling story it's about an aging you know, middle-aged man and his aging mother and sort of the annoyances, but the hardcore love kind of thing. And then uh, it's comedy, obviously. And the other one is, as we've mentioned, Tree of Life by Terrence Malick, which you can take it. It's, it's also challenging. As you get into it, you don't know what you're in for. And there's a lot of those like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got a screen full of like, Cells dividing? What is that? And then eruptions of volcanoes happening? Yeah. And things in the sludge, maybe prehistoric? I don't know. And then you're in a kitchen with a beautiful woman cooking dinner, but she's very depressed. And so you like you get this very, you know, and Sean Penn's in it. <laughs> and Brad Pitt. Correct. It's a good one. It's it's also like ugh, confronting, but in a different way. Very true. So, um, yeah, there are recommendations for this week. Uh, games and A. Scully stuff. Um, we're having some trouble with the website at the moment, ascully.com. Um, Don't tell them the whole story. It, <laughs> why? Because you might be bored by it? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's essentially. Not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair to that's them. That's how sensitive They want to hear the whole story. No, I'm not telling the whole story just for your sake. Okay. But... Um, the website's been, uh, we're moving to a new server. It's kind of intermittently up and down. At the moment, it's actually working. The podcast is in fully functional order. 
And on Sunday night, when this publishes, hopefully it gets out to your uh, RSS feeds and you hear it. Otherwise, you'll be hearing this very late when it gets over to a new server. So just telling you there are some website troubles. So if you don't get your episode when you think you're going to get it, that's because of that. Or you can just go to the site if you aren't getting it from... Your RSS feed, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can just, you can go, if, if aschoolie.com actually loads for you at that time, you can go and just grab a copy there. I've been playing a a game this week in virtual reality called The Climb. It's an Oculus Rift exclusive, but Oculus Rift games work on all the other headsets. Now, um, there's like a program that makes them work on everything. The Climb is a rock climbing simulation. You, uh, climb to the top of a mountain. There are various mountains, and you've seen you've only seen it on the screen. You've not seen the re- the in headset version of it, right? Correct. So you don't know really what it's like. You've just seen hands on. If you look at a flat version of any two any vir- virtual reality game, you don't understand what it is, right? Correct. In real, in once you're in the headset and you're playing this rock climbing game, you've got two. Your hands are fully modelled. And they're real-time, so you move them, they move with you. You put your hands on the rocks, and uh, you start to climb. You know, there's ledges. Now, each hand has a grip meter, and it's like underneath your hand. You can see it. It's like a bar that goes up and down. And you hold on with one hand, and your bar starts to go down. You hold with two hands, and you your bars charge back up. So it's a... It's like a... I guess like in real life, it's a mind game. How many how many handholds can you go up without getting too tired? And when do you have to stop and rest? When do you have to rechalk your hands? Do you have to put the chalk on so you've got good grip? Um, all I can say is, if you watch a video on YouTube of this game, you won't get the grasp of it. Um, it feels like you're really high up, really high up. It looks beautiful as well, so it looks like real life. Like the rocks look really real. Um, and you you were watching me play. I was stood on a ledge, <laughs> and I'm just looking down, looking around. It's before I actually get on the rocks, but I'm high up. And my legs were shaking. That's how realistic a feeling of standing on this little platform really high up is. It's uh, not for everybody, because it's kind of... You know, uh, Oculus have like a um, guide when you download a game to play off them. And they have like... Uh, mild, moderate, and severe comfort levels. And this one is in the severe category because it will give you some vertigo feeling. Um, big time. You, you go, when you're, when you're gripping onto that rock and you look down over your shoulder and you're hundreds of feet in the air, even though you're not, something <laughs> in your body makes your legs wobble. Yep. It is very weird. So it's called the Climb VR. Um, it was. It's actually on in a sale that they've got. It's cheap. It's one of the most polished VR games I've seen. It's almost like a triple A sixty dollar game. I think it is actually uh, originally. But um, some VR games are very very rough around the edges, and very like not very realistic looking. But this one actually really looks realistic. When you're climbing up the mountain and you look behind you and a helicopter kind of buzzes past you, or a, there's there's like. One thing I never thought about for rock climbers is there's a lot of bugs on rock faces. So when you go and put your hand there and there's a bunch of beetles or a weird, like, moth 
it's a bit weird. Like I can imagine in real life, it might freak you out a little bit if you don't like insects. So that's the climb VR. That's what I've been playing this week. Sid talk. What is for dinner? Papa John's. Not Jimmy John's, as as on the. Uh... Oh no! That's correct. It's Papa John's. Papa just, John's just pizza. Papa John's pizza. And, and staying in line with my lower carb New Year, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you get the no car? Um, no. No. Gluten. No, I just got regular. I um I don't eat cheese, so I had the I get the no cheese. Pizza. And I get the no sauce because the sauce gives me heartburn. We're getting old and fucking fussy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Our bodies are getting fussy. I have the no cheese, but I like to have pineapples and stuff on my pizza, which is whole pineapples. Some people think that that's odd, pineapple pizza, but I love it. So that's what we're having. And your advice? Uh, what is my advice? Forget. Oh, yeah. This isn't really advice. I'm going to try in 2018 just to give you a thing to kind of think about. And today, for some reason, I started thinking about the song Old Lang Syne, you know? Should old acquaintance be forgot? Da, da, da. We all know it. I don't know all the words, but that sounds like a good... I probably won't have a funeral funeral if I write all the shit down. I don't expect to have one, but that would be a good funeral song. Why? I don't know why. It just seems like I, if I'm a friend to somebody and I'm gone, you remember me, and now you go on to make new friends because I'm dead. <laughs> well, um, you know, is just, that is that an Irish song? I believe so. Yeah, I thought so too. Or Scottish. Maybe. They're about. They're all the same on this. Oh my God! They are not. You did no better than to say that. That's just a joke. So I'm gonna say this time. Think about funeral songs, even though that sounds really, really horrible and morbid, and you know people might think that's disrespectful. I've just had somebody die. Well, I've had my father passed away this year. We've all had people die in our lives. I just don't see death the same as a lot of people, and I think that if you think about it, when you go to a funeral, someone's whole life is summed up. But it isn't really summed up for who they were. It's summed up who... Like a fictional version that everyone wants to remember. You know? Nobody wants to remember when somebody was an asshole or selfish and everybody talked bad about them. Or they used to be a terrible alcoholic. Or they used to be the biggest loser in town. Or whatever, you know? And people change their methods of living and all that stuff and come around and... Everybody's a good person at heart, really. But they all like to reinvent the person for their own way, for their own memory and their own mourning, which I think is really disrespectful. So if you really take the person, who they were, and you have to sum it up in like a little ceremony, it should be about them and not about you. And if you walk away being like, well, that wasn't wrong. That, that seemed really disrespectful because they played... U2's Acrobat and Old Lang Syne and a dance song called Disco Tits, <laughs> which is a song I really like right now. And you're like, that's not appropriate for a funeral, but that'd be my funeral, right? So, I don't know. It's just something to think about. All right. So, on to more uplifting thoughts. <laughs> I think that's very uplifting to think about how to your legacy of this in this life. I think that's very uplifting. I can hear I can remind you about my broken website, aschoolie.com, that probably doesn't work properly this weekend. It does Um, work. It does right now, but it's very fragile. Any second, it could just go away. (laughs) Goodbye. So um, aschoolie.com is where you can get this podcast. 
You can also catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. Tune in. If you've got an Amazon device, say your trigger word to your thing. <laughs> and then say, play after the show movie podcast on TuneIn. And it will play you the latest episode. No problems at all. You can also email me at aschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatacheschoolyatachesch